Hello, everybody. Welcome back into this week's episode of Around the Slice. First off, I hope you all have had a great week since the last time we spoke. Um, yeah, I hope you all have had a great week since the last time we spoke. Today, after I give you my personal roster projection last episode, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did listen to it, if not, you can go back. Um... In the archive there, most recent episode. But today, I'm going to give you what the actual roster is for the Buffalo Bills. They set their initial 53-man roster. We'll go through that. Some quick analysis. And then they filled up and set their 16-man practice squad. So we're going to go all the way from quarterback to safety and then the 16-man practice squad. And there's some IR and roster maneuvering involved in injured reserve and pup and all that. Uh, so yeah, let's just not waste any time and get right into it. At quarterback... Um, we have Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. I mean, pretty straightforward. A lot of Bills fans, Bills Mafia members, including myself, have been really frustrated with Kyle Allen because he had a bunch of turnovers, fumbles, and interceptions, that is, in the preseason. He had some horrible throws on those, and most of them were his fault. A couple weren't, but let's be honest, most were. But at this point, who are you going to uh, take off not off the streets, but who are you going to trade for with a late-round pick or cut or uh, claim via waivers, that period's now over, by the way, to come in and run this offense. And it's not really important because, let's be honest, if Josh Allen goes down, the season's not shot, but it's pretty close to it. They can still make the playoffs, but they're nowhere near Super Bowl contenders anymore if jo- Allen, uh, Josh Allen <laughs> goes down. So... I mean, realistically, no one's going to come in and beat Josh Allen. So it is what it is, I guess, with that. And he's, like, best friends. Him, Sam Darnold, him, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, and Kyle Allen are basically best friends. All three worked at Jordan Palmer in a beach house in California uh, coming into the draft. So that's cool, that trio there. But, yeah, he's just there. Um, The most important thing is for backup and third string in some cases, but backup mainly is to get the starter, an elite guy like Josh Allen, ready for the, I was about to say summer, ready for the week ahead. So week one against the Jets, Kyle Allen will break down film with Josh Allen, get him mentally prepared and all that. So he, and he has a good established relationship with Josh Allen. And sometimes in this case, that's probably the most important thing. Uh, Matt Barkley was placed on season ending injured reserve, obviously ending his whole season. Matt Barkley has been a staple on this Bills Buffalo practice squad, I should say, Buffalo practice squad for the last couple of years. He left intermittently at the Chargers and uh, some other practice squads, but he even started the game in 2020 for us, for the Bills, that is, when Josh Allen was out against the Jets. Um, and he was really good, two touchdowns and all that. But, um, yeah. I, I believe so. But they obviously have to find a new practice squad to be, which they did. We'll reveal that once they get to the practice squad, which is just disappointing since Barkley has been a staple. And he's also has a great relationship with Josh Allen since he, again, has been a staple on this practice squad for the last couple of years. I know people say practice squad doesn't matter and all that, but it does. Like, you're practicing with the guys. You're around the team, whether it be in the film room, field, what have you. Monday through Saturdays, except Sundays, actually game day. But six days a week, you're there getting the guy prepared on the field. And the practice squad QB is basically the scout team quarterback. If you don't know what that means, I'll clear it up for you. It's basically a quarterback 
the practice squad QB or scout team QB in this case mimics the quarterback they're playing. So I'll give like a tangible example here since you guys can't, if you want to imagine your heads or whatever. Say the Bills are playing the Dolphins. Uh, then the scout team quarterback would mimic, so in this case, Matt Barkley for the last couple of years, would mimic Tua's play style so the defense can get ready for him. Or if they're playing the Ravens, the scout team quarterback slash practice squad QB would mimic Lamar Jackson's play style so the defense can be prepared for what they're going up against. That's the main thing here. That's the most important thing. I hope I cleared it up well enough for you. Uh, so yeah, but that's just disappointing. Running back, I mean, maybe a fourth round back could have pushed, but this is pretty straightforward. Honestly, this is one of the easier positions to predict on the squad here, uh, on the team, I should say. James Cook, Damon Harris, Latavius Murray. I am very intrigued by Latavius Murray this, um, season. I know Damon Harris missed uh, the last week or so of training camp and then missed the first two preseason games. I'm surprised how much work he got in the third preseason game. He had like nine carries for 20-something yards, but he had a two-yard touchdown. That's exactly what we needed him to be. But Latavius Murray can also do that. As soon as Latavius Murray wasn't playing, he's 33 years old, oldest running back in the league. And fun fact, second biggest uh, running back, tallest, I should say, in terms of like size at six. Two, six three, second tallest running back in NFL history, basically a linebacker who happens to play running back. Uh, but back to the main agenda here, back to the main point I was saying, I think Latavius Murray and Damian Harris can both get the same amount of work. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if one is RB2 over the other one week. Week one, maybe it's Damian Harris behind James Cook immediately. Uh, week two, maybe it's Latavius Murray. They can flip-flop like that. Week three, four, so on and so forth. So, I, I'm not surprised that only three running backs. And then if you want to include Reggie Gilliam in that, which you should, Reggie Gilliam made up fullback. He's never a game day inactive because he's a four-phase four phase core special teamer. He can play running back, fullback, tight end. Actually, in training camp, fun fact, all his, not a fun fact, but fact, um, all his reps were at tight end. So he can provide the tight end room. He's the only fullback on the roster. I've loved his story. He beat out Pat DeMarco, who was a savvy veteran on this team for years, a number of years, I should say, and they awarded him with that last year, two-year extension. He's been described by Greg Rousseau and other teammates and coaches as a bowling ball of a human being. So, uh, yeah, so he provides a lot of versatility in this and one of their best special teamers. And just he's a glue guy, I feel like, because he's a jack-of-all-trades on offense. And last year he was actually that one injury away from playing left guard or at least somewhere on the offense line at the guard positions because we were going down like flies there in Miami because it was too hot. Um, wide receivers. Now, there's, well, I'll get to this. Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy. Those guys were locks, okay? Those guys were absolute locks. And then Khalil Shakir, who was underwhelming, very underwhelming to me in training camp and preseason, because he'll make spectacular, go up and get it catches, and then he'll drop the gimme easy one. So we can't have that, especially how much drops we had last year and frustrating and whatnot. And then sixth, it was between Justin Shorter and Andy Isabella. Justin Shorter originally make it, made it on Tuesday, I should say, the 29th, but the next day, Wednesday the 30th, he was placed in IR, injured reserve, but not season-ending. So... He's out for the first four games. They have 
five, I mean, all five are going to be active for game day. There's not going to be healthy scratches unless something goes terribly wrong and one or two of them are injured. They're all making it because they all provide at least something. Even Clea Shakir, he provides good route running even though he's been underwhelming. Hands kind of questionable, obviously. But just in shorter, you lose some of that like speed, some of that special teams versatility, a main gunner in preseason. So he's placed an IR. So five, after all that... <laughs> Five receivers make the roster here. Um, oh, I should probably mention, I didn't say cuts along the way. At running back, Ty Johnson was caught. Darrington Evans, who since signed with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Jordan Mims, who since signed with the Saints, were caught. And then at wide receiver, obviously getting to it. Andy Isabella, at the end of the day, there just wasn't room for him. And he did fumble a punt. He, he caught it clearly, but when he was running, it was punched out. And then he uh, fumbled it. There, he put it on the turf. Someone else picked it up, thank God. And then Keyshawn Johnson, Marshall Aitman, Tyrell Shavers, Devin Patman, Isaiah Coulter, and Brian Thompson. I mean, these are receivers, other than maybe Coulter or Thompson, that many other teams would like to have as the receivers 5, 6, or even 7 if they carry, go heavy there in some cases. Tight end, this was the easiest thing on the roster to predict. It should be for everybody. Dawson Knox, Don't Kigay, Quentin Morris. Some people were saying a couple months ago, well, after we drafted Dalton Kincaid, well, you know, Quentin Morris doesn't need to make this team because you only need two tight ends. And if you need a third one, an emergency and a pinch, Reggie Gilliam can float over there and play that. I heavily disagreed with that because um, you need three tight ends because they're going to go with heavy 12 personnel this year. Dorsey, hopefully, with two tight ends with... Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid. So if one of them gets injured, you need a guy who can step in if you want to continue to do that and run that those sets with Quentin Morris. He is undersized for a tight end. He's only like 6'2", 230. That's probably a couple, uh, few inches too short for a tight end and like uh, 20 pounds too light for a tight end. Your ideal tight end is like 6'5", 250, somewhere in that range. Um, so yeah, but you need that guy who's a core special teamer, Morris, that is. Uh, Morris and then a guy who can step in if you want to continue to run two personnel if not I want to God forbid uh Dawson Knox and or Dalton Kincaid get injured cut Jay Sternberger and Joel Wilson it's kind of eh Jay Sternberger was like I didn't have him making the roster but semi not big name but it was a notable name they signed right before training camp offensive line this is very interesting the first seven were pretty much locks Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morris, Osiris Torrance, Spencer Brown. I think that's your starting five. Yes, I am giving the t Torrance the nod. Start at right guard for week one over Ryan Bates. I know McDermott keeps saying after every preseason game, this is still a competition. We won't name a starter, yada, yada, yada. But that, I mean, come on. You don't start a rookie in three preseason games and he plays very well to not name the starter. And then the next two off the bench, immediately off the bench, Ryan Bates and David Edwards. Then the last three here, Ryan Vandermark, Alec Anderson, and Jermaine Ifedi. Or Ifedi, eh, whatever. Jermaine Ifedi. I love this Jermaine Ifedi signing. And then Ryan Vandermark and Alec Anderson were undrafted free agents, uh, both last year, actually, who the Bills have kind of groomed. Ryan Vandermark is going to be that direct backup at left tackle to Deion Dawkins because he's well below well below average at right tackle, but he's pretty good at groomed at left tackle to Dawkins back up. And then Alec Anderson is that kind of jack of all trades who maybe they're I think at least they're develop developing, excuse me. They're developing to be the next Ryan Bates center guard tackle. His best tape is at guard. 
they've moved him all around just like Bates. And then Ifedi, I love this. He'll be the direct backup to right at right tackle Spencer Brown. He has tons of experience. He's like 6'5", 330. Mammoth man there, especially for a tackle. It's usually like guard size, but especially for a tackle. And who knows? I mean, if Spencer Brown doesn't develop like the first half of the season, I fed he could come in and I don't think it would miss a beat. I mean, I think they're at the same level. And I don't know if Jermaine Ifedi's not better than Spencer Brown right now, but you want Brown to develop, hopefully. So there's 10 offensive linemen right there. I fed he didn't make it originally, so it was originally nine, but then obviously Shorter was placed on IR, opened up a spot for Ifedi to be signed. So you have 10 here. I, you're not going to have 10 active on game day. So say you have like 46 or 47 out of the 43 if you're active game day roster. And then you have six or seven players inactive. Injury, healthy scratches. Most of them are usually healthy scratches. So I think you have eight offensive linemen. And I think Vandemark, Anderson, and maybe David Edwards, because that base versatility could take turns. Um being inactive. So I think you're going to have eight out of the ten actually active for game days. And then cut David Questenberry, who has since signed with the Vikings. Jermaine Ifedi and David Questenberry are both veterans, basically the same, but Ifedi is much better, bigger and better, literally bigger size and better size, and he just is better than David Questenberry. Questenberry is outplayed by Alec Anderson, Ryan Vandemark this offseason, which is not a good feeling. And then Ike Bakker. Alec Anderson bumped off Ike Bakker, who's been a staple the last few years, just they even gave him a one-year extension after last season uh, with a torn Achilles. Not this offseason, the one before that. And Nick Broker, who has since signed with the Texans. It makes sense. The Texans just placed last year, 2022, I should say, first-round pick Kenyon Green on season-ending IR before the deadline. But they have a good starting five. All their starting five was extended either this offseason or last offseason. Off season, excuse me, off season. So, uh, it, I mean, I finally see a vision with the Texans. I don't know if I could have said that before CJ Stroud got there, but Nick Casario and I love the D'Amico Ryan's hiring as head coach coming over from, uh, 49ers defensive coordinator. But yeah, I, they're not messing around with protecting CJ Stroud up front. And then Richard Garage, I'm really glad another team didn't claim him. He was fighting with, like, Ryan Vandemark and Alec Anderson for the main roster, but they went heavy here with 10 with Jermaine Effetti, so it makes sense. And then these guys are just whatever. Greg Manns, Kevin Jarvis, and Garrett McGinn also cut. Nothing really to talk about there. Defensive tackle, these top three were locked, in my opinion. Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, and then Puna Ford. I really am very excited for Puna Ford. I think Ed Oliver should... You know how much they rotate their defense line, but... Next to, next to, um, uh, at Oliver at, so at Oliver plays like three tech kind of, if you don't know what three tech is, they're kind of like your more path rushing defensive tackle. At least you want at Oliver to develop that. And then next time at the one tech is like Daquan Jones and Puna Ford, I think will rotate heavily is kind of your elite run stuffing defensive tackle. So three tech, more pass rush style, big defensive tackle, one tech, maybe bulkier run-stopping defensive tackle, at least you would hope, which Daquan Jones was a great addition last season. And then the last two here, Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle. I had Tim Settle being traded, but we'll get to another defensive lineman. It was a defensive end that was traded. Um, We'll get to that 
actually the position right after this, but Phillips and Settle both make it. And I think Settle is a defensive tackle four and five is great because I think, like I mentioned, Oliver Jones and Ford were locks. And when Jordan Phillips is healthy, he is really good for this team. Not like across the league standard good, but like for this team and for this role, he's very good. So Phillips and Settle's defense on four or five, everyone order it. Very good depth. Cut, Ilianku, Cortez Broughton, DJ Dale, and Kendall Vickers. The most notable there is Ilianku, who's been a staple in this practice squad for the last couple years. He's becoming the new Brandon Bryant, a long-term staple and a long-term stay on this practice squad. But Brandon Bryant was released by the Giants. I don't think he was claimed by anybody, but I'll look into that, but not by the Bills, at least. Uh, defense event, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, AJ Epineza, and then Shaq Lawson and Kingsley Jonathan. Like, I'm telling you, he pushed for this roster. He was kind of quiet, and, like, not kind of, really quiet in training camp in the second, first two preseason games. But he had a great coming out party, great game in the third preseason game against the Bears last weekend. Yeah, been out last weekend. So, really, really impressive. You don't hear me say Von Miller because Von Miller was placed on pup list. He's out for the first four games of the season. Um... So at least we don't, you could argue week two against the Raiders and week three against the Commanders are pro- definitely the Bills' easiest two games of the season. I think they'll both be blowouts, just just projecting that. I, right now, I think they'll both be blowouts. So at least you're not going up against any world beaters at offensive lines. They're both shaky offensive lines. And even the Jets, Mekhi Becton, who knows? So I think this defense line will tee off against all three potentially, but definitely Raiders in week two and Commanders week three. I he's eligible to return Von Miller that is he's eligible eligible to return week five in London against the Jaguars but I don't think you mess with that with the air pressure and bringing him to London I probably wouldn't even bring him there even if he's not playing week six I would have him return week six against the Giants um primetime game against Dable and Joe Schoen who's the GM there who used to be a disciple under Brandon Beanfield as assistant GM but back to the point here main point I was saying I think this is smart. I know Von Miller was hyping up week one. Brandon Bean, it was trending that way, blah, blah, blah. But I think this is very smart. And then Boogie Basham traded to the Giants. Now, I don't mind trading him because Epinesa or Basham, one of them had to go. I was leaning Basham as time went on. I thought Basham was better in preseason. But as soon as he started next to... Oh, crap. Who was it? As soon as he started next to Greg Rousseau in the Bears game... I that was all but sealed that they were showing him off for teams and they showed him off so I love that love that he I really like that he was traded prime traded candidate but the I hated the return very underwhelming return they even had to give up a pick in it listen to this Boogie Basham in a 2025 so not even 24 2020 Boogie in a 2025 San Francisco pick traded to the New York Giants for a 2025 get ready for this monster return 2025 sixth round pick. So Boogie in a seventh and 25 to the Giants for a 26 and 25. That means he had like no interest around the league at all. And no one really wanted him. I guess the Giants are taking a swing on him because again, the Joe Schoen and Brian Dable familiarity there. But the, the fact that, um, the Giants got Isaiah Simmons from the Cardinals and now Boogie from the Bills are basically a pack of peanuts. Not basically, if you don't know what that means, basically nothing. Is amazing to me. I mean, I like the trade. Very underwhelming return. Uh, linebacker, I mean, you could have debated this. This is kind of foresaw this being what it is. Uh, linebacker Matt Milano 
Tyrell Dotson, Terrell Bernard, Jordan Williams, those five were locked. And to an extent, Tyler Madikiewicz was a lock. Looking back, and I probably should have had him on my projection, uh, Balin Spector was put in IR just like shorter uh, for first four games of the season. So that's kind of... Oh, by the way, the only defensive end uh, that was caught is uh, Cameron Klein. They were loaded there. Um, And then Boogie traded, but Cameron Klein's loaded cut. But anyway, back to linebacker. Like I mentioned, Milano, Dotson, Bernard, Williams, Vanikiewicz, and then Spector originally made it, but kind of like the Tristan Shorter thing a day after on the Wednesday there, August 30th, a couple days ago, he was put on injured reserve out for his four games. I feel like that's kind of big because they're grooming Balance, just like they're kind of grooming Alec Anderson and the offensive line to be the next jack-of-all-trades, figure for to tell Ryan Bates type. I feel like they're grooming Balance Spector as a core special team for this team for three or four years down the line after Medikevich leaves potentially after this year and grooming him as the next high-level core special team for this team like Medikevich, the successor to Medikevich, if you will. But So there's five linebackers. Cut, AJ Klein, Trayvon Howard, Deshaun White, Trayvon Howard makes him nice. That first preseason game, he's awesome. And then A.J. Klein, I mean, eh, he's an asset to the room, but there's really no room for him to Sean White. Who cares? <laughs> Corner, this is pretty straightforward. These six were locked. Trayvon White, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, Christian Benford, Kyrie Elam, Saran Neal. Pretty loaded. I all Saran Neal is going to be active on game days. Core special teamer. Great blitzer off the... Uh, not off the... Coming up from the box, he can play safety in corner. He's mainly an outside corner now, but I think he's the main nickel slash slot backup to Taron Johnson at slot corner slash nickel. Whatever term you want to use there. Same, basically the same. They are the same thing, but different terms. Um, Kyrie Elam, like, this is really disappointing because I think Christian Bedford has legit momentum to be the CB2 starting opposite Trey White. So Kyrie Elam is the fifth corner if you include Taron Johnson, but fourth outside corner because you have White. Benford, and then Jackson, I think Benford starts, and then you have Elam, which is very disappointing. Do they trade him by the trade deadline? I mean, I wouldn't agree with it, but I could see it if he's continuing to be inactive in game days, because Soran Neal is, again, going to be that fifth corner. I don't think, I don't know if you want six active on game days, because you're going to have to have six or seven inactives. Most of them are healthy scratches, so. Cut, Jamarcus Ingram, I was shocked that no one else claimed him. Alex Anderson, signed with Texans. Um, acclaimed by Texans, I should say, because he's not a vested veteran, one rookie. I was sh- shocked someone claimed Alex and Austin before Jamarcus Ingram. Jamarcus Ingram, I feel like if Dane Jackson's not here for the long term, he could kind of be the next Dane Jackson, and he has versatility and slot and special teams, but real outside corner. I mean, Kyron Brown was cut as well. Who really cares? Um, sorry to be harsh, but whatever. Uh, safety. This is pretty pretty the first four were locked Micah High Jordan Poyer Taylor Rapp DeMar Hamlin and fifth Cam Lewis I mean there was no world where he wasn't on this roster I know everyone remembers how we tackled the punter last year against Miami that was just egregious but then um the big on fourth 18 the big he let a completion go to Justin Jefferson the Vikings won the game in overtime that sucked but um that's terrible play but I know he should have bad the ball on that one for the reception, but it's Justin Jefferson against Cam Lewis. So Justin Jefferson does that to even elite cor- corners slash safeties, and then Cam Lewis isn't even close to elite. But he's a nice piece for this team. And then DeMar Hamlin, he did it. He made the roster. He continues to clear these hurdles, OTAs, training camp, preseason, and then he's going to play in the regular season. 
I don't care what anyone says. If he doesn't deserve it, I don't know what you're talking about because he's going to win Comeback Player of the Year. I don't even want to mention anyone else, uh, this or that. I'm not even going to say it because he deserves it. I am pretty sure. I'm just going to put it bluntly. <laughs> dying on the field for 10 minutes, but dying, he was pretty much dead, medically dead for 10 minutes. Dying on a football field. Pretty sure that fits the criteria of comeback player of the year and then being on a 53-man roster. It's just amazing. And I don't think the Bills did this for a courtesy thing. Hey, DeMar, cool story, buddy. You know, we're going to put you on this roster because it would be a PR nightmare, which it would. It would be a PR nightmare and we want to save our butts with the PR and that. Yeah, no. DeMar earned it. Last year, he was a bit played a bit too fast, too aggressive and missed a lot of tackles. This year, he took... Calm, control angles in preseason. I thought he had a great preseason. He made some key tackles for loss and key pass breakups. And training camp, he had a couple interceptions. So, I don't think it was just a courtesy thing. I think they really want him on this roster. And who knows, if Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer move on, uh, retire or just move on, I think in a two, a couple short years, Taylor Rapp and DeMar Hamlin could... Your, be your long-term legit starting safety, obviously not to the level of Poyer and Hyde, but um, legit starting safety doing a couple short years, that's very realistic. So again, this wasn't a courtesy thing. Cool story, bud. I really think he played his way onto the roster. And he's winning coming player of the year. I don't want to hear anyone else. <laughs> Caught Dean Marlowe, Zane Anderson, who signed with the Packers, um, Jared Maiden, that's whatever. Dean Marlowe is a... He left the Bills originally to go to the Atlanta, and then they cut him. They signed Detroit. He was looking for a starting safety spot, but last year he had a key reception against the Pages for us. He's a fourth or fifth safety at best on teams, and obviously he was like the sixth safety here. He was the first one to be cut. And then Zane Anderson was signed with the Pack, or yeah, claimed. Yeah, it was claimed by the Packers, I should say. Um, yeah, Jared Maiden. And then kickers, Tyler Bass, punters, Sam Martin, and long snappers, Reed Ferguson. He was originally caught. This happens every year. Don't freak out. This happens every year. Reed Ferguson has literally no guarantees on his deal. So it's just a formality. He just plays along. You know, it's basically, and this is basically what it is. They cut in. They say, go wait in the parking lot for a couple hours. Let us place someone on injured reserve like Justin Shorter or Balen Spector in this case, which they were. And then we'll re-sign you. So... They cut Reed Ferguson and, uh, who was the other one they cut? Ah, uh, shoot. Can't remember. Oh, I remember now. They cut Reed Ferguson. They placed Justin Shorter and Bill Inspector on IR. Um, first four games. And that made room for Jermaine Ifedi in the office line. Reed Ferguson for a long snapper. So it's just a formality, technicality, basically. But five or, my main takeaway from this, five or six players got claimed or signed with other teams or practice squads or whatever that, that the Bills had. I, I The national media can say Super Bowl window this, Super Bowl window that. It's closing. It's kind of touching the bottom of the window here, blah, blah, blah. They still have a very deep roster. I would argue deeper than last year. You're not seeing other teams, you're not seeing guys 80 through 90 from other teams get claimed. The Packers don't have guys 80 through 90 get claimed by other teams. The Jets don't have guys 80 through 90 get claimed by other teams. The Bills have excellent depth. <laughs> Maybe you can question some of the star power at spots or starting level power, I should say, with middle linebacker and CB2, but uh, excellent depth. Again, 
other teams aren't having guys 80 through 90 get claimed like the Bills are. So now we're going to do our 16-man practice squad recap. They filled this. Um, that I alluded to Matt Barkley got placed on season-ending IR, so QB Shane Bouchelle, he's going to be the scout team quarterback. Rewind to the beginning of the episode when I was talking about um, Matt Barkley and the dynamics of all that and the practice squad and scout team QB. But Shane Bouchelle, he was undrafted, signed by the Chiefs a couple years ago. He's had good experience under Patrick Mahomes. I think this is a perfect fit. Running back Ty Johnson, honestly, I thought someone would claim him. He offers a little bit of everything in terms of similarities to all three of what we have. Um, he offers receiving ability just like James Cook. He offers thumping power back ability just like Latavius Murray and Damian Harris. And he offers core special teams abilities while pass block. So he offers a little bit of everything. He's kind of like the Duke. Actually, he is pretty much the Duke Johnson of last year. And they went, now they went very receiver heavy at the practice squad. I'm kind of surprised how heavy they went. But Andy Isabella, Marcel Aitman, Tyrell Shavers, and Brian Thompson. I don't foresee how Thompson gets elevated at all this year unless something catastrophe goes on. Um, I don't know if I'm saying that right. If a catastrophe happens, there it is. If a catastrophe happens and they all get injured, a slew of inj- half the receiver room gets injured. But Isabella and Aitman really separate themselves here. I think El- Isabella is the first guy off. And then tight end Joel Wilson. I'm not shocked. I'm a bit surprised, though. Jay Sternberger couldn't beat him out for the active squad tight end spot. Uh, offensive lineman Richard Garage. I don't see any way he's elevated at all this year. We have 10 uh, offensive linemen. And he obviously didn't make the roster. Uh, offensive lineman Kevin Jarvis. I mean, eh. Offensive lineman Greg Manns. The only guy I've really seen get elevated this year at all is Richard Garage. Again, barring any serious injury to any but half the room, uh, Richard Garage. But I don't even see him having a path to getting elevated any week. And then defensive tackles, Elianku, Kendall Vickers. I already explained how Anku's becoming the next Brandon Bryant, a staple on this practice squad. And then Kendall Vickers, that's whatever. Defensive end Cameron Klein, just like Kingsley Jonathan, I really like how this defensive end depth is shaking out. And then linebacker Christian Kirksey, this is the big one. I don't think he starts week one, but he could maybe if they want to cut one of those offensive linemen like Vandemark or Anderson and then sign Kirksey to the active roster permanently instead of just elevating him because you only have three elevations. That's not a lot of 17 games. But week two, I think he's an upgrade over Bernard uh, Specter once he comes back, but mainly Bernard and Tyrell Dodson. By the way, Tyrell Dodson is changing from jersey number 53 to 25. That's extremely weird. I don't know why he's doing that this late. And 25 is a running back number. Uh, I mean, Ty Johnson was number 25 in this team when he came in. So I don't know. He's going to have to get a new number too. But a linebacker like Tyrell Dodson is wearing a running back number. That's going to be strange to look at. Really weird. Um, Christian Kirksey, back to what I was saying. Christian Kirksey is a media upgrade to uh, uh, Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard, for sure. Cornerback, I think he'll be the guy week two and onward, at least the minimum week three. Cornerback Jamarcus Ingram, shocked that no one claimed him. I'm shocked that Alex Austin got claimed before him. Local UB kid, just like Cam Lewis, he can be molded into being the next Dane Jackson, or honestly, next Cam Lewis, because he has that versatility in the corner, Kyron Brown. So yeah, those are my initial 53-man roster takeaways and analysis, as well as my full filled-up 16-man practice squad takeaways and analysis. Some notes in the practice squad. 
any other team can sign a p player from a practice squad. So let's say a team wants Andy Isabella during the year, which Andy Isabella got not sizable offers, but I heard it was reported that he got offers from other teams, but he wanted to be back in a winning culture. And, uh, and a, uh, what was it? Winning culture and a chance to be elevated. Excuse me, elevated a few times. So that's cool to see that he's back. Um, but a guy like Andy Isabella, say someone wants him, they can sign him off our, our, the Bills practice squad, I should say, but they can't, you can't go from practice squad to practice squad, you have to be signed to their active roster. And then another note, practice squad guys can be elevated three times. So the, the same guy, if you elevate him, only the same guy can be elevated three times. So say they want to elevate Christian Kirksey three times. And then after that, if they want him to play in a game again, he's going to have to either stay in the practice squad and not play or assign him permanently to the active roster. And like I said, I think he'll get signed permanently to the active roster at minimum the first two or week two or three, maybe even four, but mainly week two or three of the season week there. So anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. A little teaser. Monday, I am doing... So, I know this is a quick turnaround. So, Friday, by the way, happy September. Football's in the air. We had college football last night. Florida, Utah. Minnesota, Nebraska game was good. Low scoring, but good. Uh, Jeff Sims was the QB there. Good interception. But, back to the point. Today's Friday, September 1st. And Monday, three days from now, Monday, September 4th, I will have a Bills preview. And at the end, I'll, season preview, I was just saying. At the end, I'll discuss my schedule for this year. But if you want to get some early access, you can go on my Patreon. That is, uh, if you don't know what Patreon is, it's a way for creators such as myself to give back to you guys as patrons extra exclusive content. So whether it's player rankings, we just wrap those up, but player rankings, Heisman watch during the season, top 25 college season, um, power rankings, major injury news, and that stuff sprinkled in throughout the week. Stuff that's on my mind. If anything big happens, you guys get it first. So just $3 a month, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash around the slice. I will put it down in the description below, but patreon.com slash around the slice. Speaking of the description below, you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at around slice. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I'm active on there a ton throughout the day and weeks leading up to the every game at a Weingartner 13. So yeah, I have big plans for this season. We're heading into season two over on the slice and season one. Uh, the Bills preview this again three days from now this Monday, September 4th. So quick turnaround will be that last episode of season one. I can't believe we're there already, but big things ahead. Anyways, guys, I will talk to you in a few days and have a good weekend.